At first it can feel like you're giving in, but if you can step out of the house and feel confident about yourself or do whatever it takes to feel good and to acknowledge that you're, you've got control over this situation, you're not letting the symptoms control you, then I think you can get through this a little bit easier. Welcome to Community Good, the podcast that shares powerful lessons to help you navigate the life you want. I'm your host, Marnie Andes. In this episode, you'll hear from co-authors Cheryl Gorentz and Cindy Abramson, who share the mental and physical challenges they experienced during their early 40s and what led them to write the book they were seeking at the time. Focused on perimenopause and its unpredictable and sometimes funny, not so funny, unlimited symptoms, our conversation is a reminder that we are not alone and that one of the most powerful ways to experience change is to do so with each other openly and honestly. And now, my conversation with the authors of A Strange Period, Cheryl Gorentz and Sydney Abramson. Cheryl and Cindy, thank you so much. This is a first for Community Good, which is having two guests on my podcast. So thank you so much for joining me. Absolutely. Thanks for having us. Glad to be here. Well, I'm hoping that this gets pretty good because I've already sort of teed it up, which I should share with everyone. If there's been any topic that has been requested for Community Good, it's been this topic, which by the way, if for anyone who's listening in, we're going to be talking about perimenopause and some other things, of course. And at first I thought, oh, this is going to be an episode for women who predominantly listen to the show. But here was the best um, reminder for me as I was walking out the door to get in the car and drive to the studio today. I yelled back to my husband and I said, hey, today's topic for the podcast is perimenopause, to which he responded, I don't know what that means. And I thought, I know, oh, I know. We know what you're doing as soon as this is done. I know, I know, <laughs> yeah. which is like the education part of it. But I thought, no, this is going to be just as much for partners and yep. family and anyone yeah. else in general that needs to understand, which we're going to go to a lot of places. So thank you for being here. We're glad yes. to do it. It's definitely a topic <laughs> that um, takes conversation with your girlfriends. Right. Yeah, well, that's you, really what it's about. When you guys wrote your book, A Strange Period, which we'll obviously share with everyone of where they can get this book. This has been a few years ago, but you yeah. actually hosted what you called hormonal happy hours right. to get women together to start talking about. Will you just give me a little bit of like how that how that worked and, and what you were hoping to get out of those conversations? Sure. Yeah. I mean, we we ended up at the point where we were comfortable talking about vaginas and clotty periods and hair in places that you don't really want it in public. (laughs) And we sort of had fun watching people's reactions at the next table when they overheard it. But we realized that not everybody was comfortable talking about such things. Um, But we should be comfortable. So we tried to come up with a way that we could create a safe environment where women could practice and get information and start getting comfortable. And so we invited people to a series of hormonal happy hours and they would show up and we would, you know, have hors d'oeuvres and drinks like you were sitting in a restaurant, but not other people to overhear. We'd kick kick the guys out. Um, We had little gift bags um, of things like tweezers and um, (laughs) KY jelly and some other assorted (laughs) essentials for surviving perimenopause. Um, And we had women talk and and people were Mm -hmm. so happy to hear they weren't the only ones. And that's how we got a lot of the information that's in the book. Yeah. And it's funny because 
people would start out so quiet and it'd be like a pen drop and it would yep. just, you know, be Cheryl and I talking. And then within, you know, 15 minutes, people were like fighting for space, you know. Me too. Me too. Oh, I, I can do you one better. Right. I mean, like it was crazy. Right. And that's kind of how it was with us too. I mean, we've been best friends for forever and ever, but we both kind of started out in um, a weird place. Like, like really what's happening and like I'm I'm worried like that there's something happening with my brain um it's not working the way that it used to work and my body feels really weird and you know and so you know we happened to be out to dinner one night and just kind of started talking about it and then little it was by that, little little by little just you know you know and then all of a sudden it was like oh my god me too me too. And then what about this? And what about this? Well, no, but this, you know, and then not only did we just kind of feel so much better about ourselves that there wasn't something really wrong with us, um, but we were hysterically laughing. And that's when we realized, you know, how important it was to have that that girlfriend time, that that person or people that you can be real with because it's some real, real stuff happening. Oh, well, and crazy stuff happening. Oh, totally crazy. I mean, that's when crazy. I started picking up on certain things. I've, I've, I'm in the thick of it, no pun intended, <laughs> where in your book you guys describe like hair is growing in places you don't want hair to grow uh -huh. and you're losing it in places you don't want to lose hair. But Although I will argue that I've had that problem for, I've just always been somebody that just, I always carried a pair of tweezers. In fact, mm -hmm. I had a, a good girlfriend of mine, that I, which I was like, if you don't have one of these in your purse, like you just need to go buy a pair of tweezers. But it was, it was the hot flashes and the memory piece that was yeah, really right? killer for me. And the memory probably first, because I memory remember going to first. dinner and saying, there are words, mm -hmm. not hard words, not even really difficult or complex words that I can't even recall. Right. And you think you're going crazy or something's really wrong with you because nobody has talked about this being part of something that you could be going through in your 40s. Mm -hmm. Right. So when we started talking and going, oh, wait, I'm not the only one. We did what we've done for previous books. Right. We said, well, let's go figure this out. Right. Because our doctors were telling us, oh, no, no, honey, you're too you're too young for it to be hormonal. That's not what it is. You're just getting older. Get used to it. And we're looking at each other going, that just doesn't feel right. Right. So we started researching and looking and it was very confusing, the information out there, but we did kept feeling like mind, body, and soul were all changing. And that's where it was so good to talk to other women and go, okay, we're not the only ones. So what is going on? Mm -hmm. And I noticed the mood piece too of this. So it was like the words were a loss for me, mm -hmm. simple things that I know came out of my mouth at one point, but I could never recall them when I was like mid-sentence. And the forgetfulness just in general, oh, right? Yeah. For sure. Mm -hmm. For sure. And then I remember just even the hormonal piece where I would just be in a rotten mood, but I really didn't even know why. Like it felt mm -hmm. like a truly an out-of-body experience right. for me. And speaking of doctors, I will say this. I have enjoyed my doctor who, you know, she she's actually a few years younger than me and had said, um, hey, so I have an IUD. And so one of the things that she had said, hey, that's just part of my sort of like hormonal plan for herself. But that was about the extent. I mean, I'll at least give her credit that she was like, I'm already planning this for myself. Even if your husband can't really have kids anymore and you guys have taken all these other precautions, you know, she goes, I would still advise that you do this. But that was about it. Otherwise, right. it really was until reading your book that I was like, 
oh, I haven't completely gone batshit crazy. Like, I, I, there are other people <laughs> that, that are saying exactly the exact the same thing. we wanted. <laughs> yeah. It's, it, and, you know, it's funny, but, I mean, I remember looking up, like, what does early onset Alzheimer's look like? Um, and feeling very, you know, relieved that the, that it was, the symptoms were very different. But, like, I was afraid, you know, at first, because these things are happening and you're, you know, you want to be this confident and you're, you know, you have your job and you're, you know, a grown woman and you can't think of a simple word, you know, it's, um, it's disturbing. Yeah. And when it occurred to us that maybe it was hormonal, we started looking for resources, right? We didn't start out to write the book. Mm -hmm. We started out looking for a book like this and all the books had little gray haired ladies mm -hmm. on the cover yeah. and they were talking about the time after your period stopped. Well, we were still having periods, albeit irregular, which is a whole other thing that we didn't know about. Um, and so we couldn't reconcile it until we really started researching it. And when you look at the data out there, it does start to say, oh, you can have some pretty serious hormonal changes in your 40s. And there was a little bit of data out there because, you know, why would anyone want to study something that happens to half of the population, <laughs> right? right. Um, and that's where when we started to talking, started talking to a lot more women that we realized, no, the, the changes in your brain, the changes in your mood, the changes in Pretty much every aspect of your body is changing, and it's because of hormones. And that's when we're like, well, if we can't find a resource, we're going to write the resource. Mm -hmm. Well, that that, and I think we were a couple of margaritas in. Yeah, but, but we at least followed through on it. We remembered we the idea, which was a huge win we for did. that point in time. Uh, Cheryl's notorious for pulling out pen and paper, but I think I was like, oh, you should so write a book. <laughs> and so she pulls out her pen or and we started writing napkins or whatever, which is how all of our best projects have started. But yeah. Um, but yeah. I feel like those so. are the stories of either we should, it's either we should so write a book or we should so start a business. It's like yeah. right? the yeah. both ideas on the back of a cocktail oh, yeah. napkin. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for yeah. sure. Well, yeah. I remember when it hit me too. So, there were enough things finally happening that I thought, well, this has to be it because I was, I was the one thing I did here in my family. And this was really it about it was that my grandmother went through menopause at the age of 38. That's about all I was told. It was like, that's it. Me too. No actually. one else talked about it, but I didn't hear like, what does that mean? How should you be prepared for that? I mean, there's a there's a book out there around what to expect when expecting uh -huh. a baby. Why is there not a book out there about this? Well, exactly. And it's really funny because I've had doctors say, well, it's just aging. It's not changing hormones, all these crazy things that are happening to you. And then I'm getting home and probably calling you, Cindy, and saying, wait a second, when you're in puberty... The answer is, well, everything from your hair to your toenails is changing because of hormones. And when you're pregnant, they tell you everything is changing from your hair to your toenails because of hormones. How come when we're in our 40s and 50s, suddenly that's not the answer anymore? And that just pissed the shit out of me, to tell you the truth. Oh, right. I was so angry that we couldn't talk about this and that there weren't resources and that the doctors weren't terribly helpful. And the only people to turn to were girlfriends and say, okay, mm -hmm. we're not imagining this. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was really, I, for me, the theme of that period of life. Haha, <laughs> You're not imagining this. This is, this is real. Right. Well, there's right. some really interesting pieces. I mean, I was even just jotting down some things that 
<laughs> so, okay, so we're, we'll talk a little bit about facial hair, which I oh, think is um, <laughs> is always a joy. But I remember it, it's been a few years now, and there was a group of girlfriends and I were together, and I remember there was a few of us talking about our notorious black chin hair. Mm-hmm. And one of right one of the friends had said, oh, I don't think I have one, to which we said, <laughs> oh, because it's probably five feet long at this point. You haven't found Touch it. Behind it. Right? <laughs> right? Oh, no, you have it. Yeah. Well, we have yeah. a pact. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yes. Do you want to say it or do you want me to? No, you go. You go ahead. Okay. Make sure so, you remember it perfectly. Well, we have a pact that if either one of us is ever incapacitated, mm-hmm. the other one will come in, tweezers in hand, privately, privately and discreetly, and take care of those things. Yes. yes. You need to have a friend like that. You, you definitely need, to have, a pact like that. need yeah. to have a friend like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. The whole hair issue for me was um, really upsetting because I've got really dark hair. Mm-hmm. You know, one stray hair is is noticeable. And um, I remember telling Cindy that I, I refuse to call it pubic hair anymore. It was now <laughs> going to be called public hair. Because, I mean, you know, there's a, there's a little story in the book of a woman who's like, you know, Brazilian wax my ass. <laughs> All of South America needs to be waxed at this point. <laughs> well, I feel like it's something that, you know, I wonder if some of the things that are the topics is because they are they can be certainly embarrassing but to me there was a certain point where i'm like but it's happening like yep. i even think about facial hair at this point what i think is becoming more normalized is dermaplaning where yes. you know for, i mean yeah. years ago when i was like oh you could do electrolysis or then right. it became laser hair remo- yeah, now it's now like it's, the thing. it's just what you're supposed to do is basically shave your face and right. put a chemical right. peel on top and you know right. And right. but look you young. You, right but you used to be able to tell women who were in perimenopause or postmenopausal because of the peach fuzz mm-hmm. right yeah. and there wasn't really and a do you remember what wait. they used to tell us if you shave it, yes. it'll come back worse. It'll come back like a man's stubble, yes. which is a total big fat lie. Yeah, <laughs> it is. So. Like People need to hear that because yes. I think that's yeah. still a stereotype yeah. that's out there. And so we were all terrified for yeah. so long right. <laughs> you know, to do anything about it. And then, But you know what? It's totally not true. It just comes back as soft peach fuzz yeah. right? again. And they yeah. make special little razors that are amazing. And Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank and, goodness. Yeah. Thank goodness. But it's everywhere. I mean, your eyebrows change, your eyelashes change, your mm-hmm. body hair changes, your, yeah. the hair on the top of your head changes. It's this weird thing of you've lived with this for so long and then suddenly it's kind of out of control and you don't know what to expect that I right. think is a big surprise for women who are starting to go through perimenopause. Mm-hmm. It's just not something they expect. Right. Well, I think the hot flashes too when I it's probably hit me over the last couple of years where, well, I'm the notorious um, spouse that's got the fan on high and I've got like five blankets on the bed because I love that. And um, so my husband doesn't really know how to possibly sleep in bed with me. (laughs) But I remember um, I thought, oh, that's just me. I'm just either getting hot or we have the heater up too much. But it was when I was working downtown a few years back and I rode the light rail and the light rail could get pretty packed. I mean, once you were getting closer and closer to downtown. And I remember it was like, I I, I don't even know how to describe it other than it was just a rush that hit me of heat. And it wasn't even like I was overly dressed by any means. I mean, it was was winter time. So of course I had a jacket and everything on. But I just remember like I I was starting to like bead sweat. Uh It was running down my back. I literally was, I was standing on the light rail. I just started peeling off everything. My backpack came off, the clothes, whatever. And I'm like bent over, like to the point, like fanning myself. And I look up 
And I have to believe this this guy was probably around 30 years of age. He's got like a Kermit the Frog sweatshirt on. And he's, <laughs> wow, he's, that's a vivid memory. Oh, I do. Because I was like, I know he works for an IT company and he has got the most horrified look on his face. His <laughs> eyes were so big around like, and he just looks at me and goes, are you okay? I probably thought you were having a seizure or yes. something. Oh, I thought yeah. I was. I thought I was. I was drenched from yep. head to toe. Mm-hmm. And I and it took me, I thought I was like passing out type thing because I'd had a history mm-hmm. of doing that. And when I still felt fine after that, went, I went, oh, my God, this is the beginning of what I've heard happens. And I right. like – What were some of the other stories that you heard of women around just even that piece of it? Well, there's – I think a lot of people don't realize – there's kind of an anxiety that goes with it too. And so – and then you kind of almost start to recognize some of those symptoms even first and then you'll know sometimes even before they come. But um, there's definitely an an anxiety and it's it's different because usually when you're hot, it's from the outside in. But this feels like it's from the inside out and you can feel it's like an inferno – you know, and I think everybody has their there's certain places where they get the most warm and the places obviously where they get wet hair and, you know, um, and so mine's always been like my chest. You know, I always make fun of Cheryl. We make fun of each other. I wish I had that problem. Yeah, but she gets the <laughs> there long, is no chest. She so. gets the long skinny legs and I get the boobs. It's fair. <laughs> it's fair. Um so sometimes I would just grab like a can of Coke and, and, and I would just walk around like this because that was the only thing that made me feel better. And one time her husband came up and he's like, are you cold? And I'm like, no, why? And he's like, why are you holding your arms like that? <laughs> and I just pull out this can of Coke that I had pulled out of the um, – and he's never going to let me hear the end of it. Um, but they're extremely uncomfortable and um, embarrassing because you can get them when you're – um, like if you're going to give a speech or mm-hmm. if you're meeting somebody new or whatever, that seems to be mm-hmm. a lot of times when they come are the worst possible times. And when you when you know you have sweat on your face, I mean, it's just like, what do you do? Um, but um, they do get better. For some people, it takes a lot longer than others. I don't want to tell you how many years that I had hot flashes and that my mother still gets them. See, that's, the, that's what's... Um... Maybe the most frustrating to me is mm-hmm. not necessarily all the different things that women experience that you all share in the book and your own personal experiences, but that everyone's experience is different. Mm-hmm. So it's not even like you could pinpoint it and go, you're going to experience this for about one to two years. You're going to experience right. that. This is how it feels. Here's how you mitigate it. Like, Right. Yeah. There's no game plan, you know, and, and – Nobody tells you that. So we're here to tell you that and to reinforce that, yeah, you cannot predict. And what's your most uncomfortable symptom this year may not be your most uncomfortable symptom next year. And next week or next week or the next minute, um, we had very different symptoms to, well, we had the same symptoms, but to differing degrees and certain things worked for her that didn't work for me. Um, I did have hot flashes. They did feel the same way, but I didn't have as many. That was definitely not my most irritating, um, 
symptom. Um, but, but hot flashes are something that I think most women get at least to some degree. And your description is pretty consistent. That need to rip your clothes off, that, that feeling that your face is getting really red or your chest is getting red and you're getting sweaty. Um, and the sense of that's like all you can focus on in that moment. It does not matter what else is going on. You, you are hot in a very uncomfortable way at the moment. And I think that was the common thread of women in the book, yeah. just that and the surprise that even at night when you're sleeping, um, you know, people talk about night sweats, but I don't, mm-hmm. I don't think most people realize that means waking up and having to change your pajamas and your sheets yes. because you have yeah. sweated through everything. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you're running a marathon, right. um, just the degree to which it affects you, I think is what was unexpected for most people that we talked to. It was unexpected for us for sure. Yeah. And also that it's so much more than that. I mean, m- most people know hot flashes, mm-hmm. but it's like, that's just the, that's just one symptom. Right. Well, and also misconceptions of symptoms that we had heard about, right? First of all, it happened much earlier and people keep saying, oh, well, it's really early for you. No, early 40s is not early. Um, it's normal. Um, and then I remember thinking, oh, you know, having, having fewer periods would be really, really nice. I, I could be into that, right? Oh, I'm for, done. For sure. I, right? It sounds like a great thing. But then, okay, so you start getting irregular. And what that means is, okay, maybe you were 30 or 31 days to start with. And now you've got one at 35. <laughs> and you go, oh, this is nice. And then maybe the next month you're at 35. And you go, oh, this is nice. Mm-hmm. I could do this. And you think, okay, over time, they're just going to get further and further apart and lighter and lighter, right? Mm-hmm. Sounds logical. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, no. Um, this is more like when you are in sixth or seventh grade and you start getting your period and it's totally unpredictable and mm-hmm. everyone's different. I mean, there's there's one in the book where it's like, okay, so one month I had my period at 33 days and the next month it was 58 days and the next month it was 22. So, you know, that's a locker combination. That is not something right. you can count on. And so what you end up with is, you know, wearing panty liners every single day. Mm-hmm. It gets worse before it gets better. That was a shock to me, I know. Yeah, I used to be able to plan for that, but now I just you have like the, the three yeah. emergency tampons that are always right. Right. And no white purse. pants. <laughs> oh. Right? For your wardrobe sure. changes yeah. between the hot flashes and the not knowing when you're gonna get your period or if it's gonna be a gusher. Yeah. Um, yeah, your whole wardrobe has right. to change. Actually, that is a big one. I uh-huh. that's the that's it's funny because that's even changed the way I've thought about like shopping or certainly what I wear to speaking events mm-hmm. like I for sh- I, I always know I can't wear silk or satin mm-hmm. right because water shows oh god it, yeah it, it'll be halfway down to my waist by the time I've sweated through a jacket at yeah. that point which is why I wear tank tops you and I were joking about it when we recorded initially yeah your episode I I just can't even do it so I I always wear a jacket with a tank top knowing that 99% chance I'm going to be Ripping that jacket, jacket off. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. And, and we actually just celebrated, like, when we were all the way through, like, we are part of the white panty club. Like, <laughs> we can wear, I can wear white panties every single day yeah. the rest of my life if I yeah. want to. We can go get you little know, purses. Like, I don't we don't have, have to, to carry all that purses. stuff around. Don't have to worry about, like, because it's not just, like, you know, blood, too. It, like, changes, too. Mm-hmm. The consistency, the texture. The amount, yep. the, the everything, the color. The warning the, signs that it's coming, yeah, right? Yeah, the warning I mean, signs that it's coming. and Can't so, predict anything. I mean, I mean, some days I'm like, there, a tennis racket could come out of there and it wouldn't surprise <laughs> me because oh it was just so different all of the time. Right. And I was, I was divorced um, 
and dating, who's now my husband, when I was in the throes of it. And I'm telling you, some of the most just um, humiliating things happened. And luckily, he's not easily grossed out by bodily stuff, or he would have been gone. Right. <laughs> he would have been gone. I mean, just gross. From every orifice possible. Well, see, but so that's part of it, too, because, I mean, there's other others. And I want us to talk maybe about some of the things that aren't as maybe out in the open that people realize that you probably learn from interviewing other women. But I think that's a big deal where, you know, significant others and people around you don't really understand. Case in point, you know, my husband doesn't, he said, I don't really know what that means. And he's not abnormal. I mean, not I'm, at all. I would, mm-hmm. I'm sure the majority of people are probably even saying that women included, that they don't really understand yeah. what that means. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> I got a good one for that if you want it. I would love to hear it. So, you know, those commercials that talk about, you know, feminine itching mm-hmm. in this lovely lavender scented way. And you think, oh, OK, that's going to be, you know, I'll have a cream and I'll take care of that. <laughs> Hell no. There's a cream for that. Um, that this was my um, big surprise. No, no, no. Um, yeah. It's it's like sandpaper, mm-hmm. um, constantly, perpetually rubbing as you walk, when you wipe, when you sit down, when you do anything. It's not something that goes away. It is definitely hormonal. I finally worked up the guts to like tell my husband back off mm-hmm. for a while because I have to figure this out, and went to my doctor finally and and said something, and they're like, well. Yeah, that's your vaginal tissue kind of breaking down and and changing. And you, oh, hush. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah, atrophy. Um, And and that's hormonal. But guess what? We can do something about it. And I got hormone cream just for that area Mm -hmm. and told my husband to stay away for a few weeks because I was dealing with it. I mean, this went on for probably a year before I did anything because I really – it was hard to talk about, even when we were in the midst of writing a book and talking about everything. I mean, I think I was bitching and moaning about it a fair amount to Cindy, but um, it's one of those things you don't really want to talk about, and you don't understand how bad it can be from what you now see. At the time, there really weren't ads for that kind of thing, right. but it, it sandpaper. Well, but you don't know what it is. I mean, I think that's part of the problem is that you're, you're like, is this a yeast infection? And mm-hmm. what am I supposed to be doing with this? And so then you try to treat and you that and you're it, like, it's that's not that. not it. And exactly. So I think it's one of the, again, it's another example of something that isn't talked about. So you don't even know it, if we talked about it more, right? It wouldn't be so shocking. It would be like, oh, this, this must be what this is. Or, mm-hmm. you know, even physicians talking about it. But I think as we talk to one another, about it. That's one of those things that might not be as shocking. Right. I mean, there are more ads for that kind of stuff these days. It's definitely better than we wrote the book about when we, when we wrote the book about 10 years ago, right? I mean, there's there is definitely more out there and it may not be as big of a surprise, but the degree to which some of these things can change and the the speed with which they change, I think is is often a surprise for women. Yeah. Well, I think the other piece too when you're getting into your husband and you already hinted on it, which you were dating at the time. So there's a definite change in hormones when it comes to sex, mm-hmm. desiring or not desiring sexual intercourse. Yeah. And what were some of the things that 
I mean, I know that you both experienced this also or have at least had some of those things in the book. What were right. some of the things that came out from other women sharing about this? That came out. That's a Yeah. <laughs> that are, yeah. There are all these words that I said. As long as I say all of these, these would be so many good puns going right? on today. Yeah, right? So I don't know. You can, you might want to cut this one. <laughs> this, is the, this is a bad one, and it's not in the book. But um, like I was saying, you don't. You, you just never, it, it changes. It's constantly changing. And I can't believe I'm going to tell this story, but, you know, I, we were dating and, and, and he's Mr. What, Mr. White Sheets, you know, he likes the hotel kind of bed. Right. And so I didn't even think that I had it or it was coming, you know, and then all of a sudden you feel kind of this release, <laughs> you know, and I'm like, oh my God. And I look down and there's like a thing. It looks like, it looks like, Part of my liver came out. <laughs> oh, my God. And so I throw myself across the bed, and I throw my hands over the top of it and take it into the bathroom. And, I mean, it's just this gross thing. And then, but it, but the sheets, and I'm like, I, I just had to say. And he was so awesome. He's like, it's okay. We'll just put them in the washer, and we washed mm-hmm. the sheets, and he had fresh ones, and... And, you know, and ended up being okay, but... How was the mood after that? <laughs> well, I was so humiliated. Yeah. You know? And then it's like, you're so you're scared. And so men think women are losing interest, I think, even earlier than they actually are. Mm-hmm. They're afraid. They're afraid of what's happening to their body, mm-hmm. what's going to happen, what their body looks like, what their body feels like, if it's going to react the way that it normally reacts. We're not even sure, like, what does it... F- does it and doesn't do it anymore because things that used to don't anymore, mm-hmm. you know, and everything's changing. And God forbid you don't want them to stumble across a whisker on your boob, you know, yeah. or, you know, or something during sex. And it's almost like when you're pregnant, too, with the smells and the and the way things feel. And so it's just like you're having sex as a stranger. Mm-hmm. And so I think we can be more open with men. Because I think they take it very personally, that we don't want them anymore, that we're not interested in sex anymore. And so I think we can talk more about it, like you were talking about talking to your husband. Mm-hmm. Well, just having – well, and we've – I mean, my husband and I have had those conversations before, and I think it's still – you know, we were – you know, when you're first dating, you're just – you're so attracted to one another and all these great feelings. And I still, I still have that attraction for him. And I think that's where some of this, when it's like, I just don't feel it. It's not that mm-hmm. I don't feel it for you. It's right. not that I'm wanting to go out with anyone no. else. It's just my body. You said it. I never thought of it. It's having sex as a stranger. You're mm-hmm. a stranger to your own body. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. your mind, too. Mm-hmm. The things that used to um, get you excited, the mm-hmm. things that used to like turn you on may not anymore. It's so it is this combination of your brain and your body and your brain may be in the mood, but your body's misbehaving or vice versa. And it makes it really hard. So usually just in the time of life where suddenly the kids aren't going to walk in the door, you've got time and energy to, to have some fun. Suddenly your brain and your body are going yeah, not so much girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Like I really just want to read a book or, you know, I know watch TV. Well, and then that's where you get to go to the, I mean, I think this is important for any relationship anyway, which is to have other things to do besides, I mean, that's incredibly important is to have an intimate relationship, but then where can there be intimacy found in Mm -hmm. other ways? But then just understanding that 
we're going through this, I think, is incredibly helpful. Yeah. And to work with it. Um, There's some some good stories of women who are like, you know, I can't do this without lube anymore. Mm -hmm. So you turn that into part of your play. Um, You don't have to be embarrassed or do that alone or in in hiding. It's like, okay, well, you know, we used to rub fun oils on each other. Now we got to rub lube on each other. (laughs) Um, You know, make the most of it. you know, if you're sensitive to touch in certain areas, talk about it and try to find other ways that it works. Yeah. It may not be easy, but it's worth it. Well, I think that what I loved about your book, too, was just all of the not only sharing what was happening so that, you know, if I saw myself in that, I thought, no, I'm not crazy. Mm-hmm. My God, somebody else was going that through that, too. What was, you know, we've already talked around a number of symptoms, but what were some of the solutions to all of it? Like, I mean, we've talked about facial hair, you know, <laughs> intercourse, whether we felt sexual or not, smells. What, what are some yeah. of the things that people can at least take away that's like, oh, I should just normalize having that in my purse with me or I should just, just yeah. make sure I have that at home readily available? Well, those things and then also talk, you know, obviously talking about it, communicating and not just with your girlfriends, but with your partner. And, and your doctor. And your doctor. Um because then it becomes less scary and less, um, you know, that silence when you get into bed together. And, you know, it's like, oh, God, is he going to want to? Is he going to want to? And um, and then know that it's not forever. Um, it will. Most of the symptoms, if not all, will pass. And it's different for everybody how long. So if you can just hang in there, you know, um, but you might have to change your life in the meantime a little bit. And that's okay. Yeah. I, I think it's really hard to fight against what's going on, and you don't need to. If you accept it and acknowledge it and you say, okay, I need to go get waterproof makeup so that it's not sliding off my face and I'm not having to reapply it four times. Or maybe you do have to reapply it four times and you need to buy a bigger purse to carry your makeup around. There's nothing wrong with that. I went and got a different haircut. My hair was so heavy on my neck and that's Mm -hmm. where I would get sweaty. I was like, fuck this. Mm -hmm. I got to do something. I can't keep walking around with with wet hair. I just can't. Buying different clothes, you know, you can only fight against, you know, middle-aged spread for so long. Mm -hmm. And if your waistbands are tight and you're uncomfortable, maybe for a little while get something with a little elastic in it or do something different so that you feel presentable. Mm -hmm. It's At first it can feel like you're giving in, but if you can step out of the house and feel confident about yourself or do whatever it takes to feel good and to acknowledge that you're you've got control over this situation, you're not letting the symptoms control you, then I think you can get through this a little bit easier. Because mm-hmm. it, it's not going to go away just because you will it to go away. And it's certainly not going to go away because you ignore it. It's going to take a while. It could take 10 years. You might as well invest in the things and the people and the conversations and the makeup and the tweezers that you need to get you through it. Right. And, and it comes at a weird time in a woman's life, too. Um, because, you know, you're, you're not young enough to be like young, but you're not really old enough to be like old. And you just kind of feel like in this middle stage of life where you're not really sure where you fit in. You may not be like a young mom anymore. You're not the youngest person in your office anymore, you know, but then you're not, you know, part of that older generation too. And we had so many conversations about what, you know, what does it mean to be, you know, turning 50 or, you know, uh, you know, just um, I think women in general 
get a little lost mm-hmm. at this time of their life. Because I mean, women are badasses. Our bodies are made to do like crazy things. And so this is kind of the end stage of, you know, of, of you know, that, that whole ability to have children and um, which can be hard for some women too. It wasn't for me, but a lot of women do feel like very different now knowing that there's no way they could ever bear a child. Right. Well, you soon know. there won't be any way to have a child. Be very careful because during perimenopause, <laughs> mm-hmm. you are still yes. fertile. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good See, point. it's all these things. So I think about all these things, and it, it's coming down to a few th- things, which is being super honest yep. with yourself. I mean, mm-hmm. just recognize these things are happening. Mm-hmm. It's not odd. It's not weird. It's You're not alone. Are experiencing that. <laughs> yeah. You're not alone. To be able to have these conversations with others, to be able to open up this dialogue so that people yeah. feel like – Maybe there's a little bit of commiserating. Maybe there's a mm-hmm. little bit of like, I just needed to hear that because I wanted to know somebody else was experiencing. Sometimes it's comforting too. Yeah. But I I think to be able to open this up, and I'll go back to something you had said, Cheryl, which is, you know, you're seeing more of these things advertised on TV, but yet there's still not enough because yeah. the conversation still is making enough people uncomfortable that they don't want to talk about it. And I'll, I'll throw this out there because I'd love – to go there with both of you. So right now, um, as we're recording, March Madness is going on. Mm -hmm. So we're watching basketball for both men and women. I'm primarily watching the women's tournament at this point. And it still infuriates me to see the amount of white uniforms that they are Mm -hmm. still asking women to wear. Mm -hmm. I mean, I remember wearing it in both high school and college. Our away uniforms were colored and our home uniforms were white. And it was mortifying to think Mm -hmm. if you ever got your period before a game, during a game, anything Mm -hmm. like that. And I still, and I look at things like that and I go, that would be such an easy fix if we would all just be okay to talk about it. Right. Right. No, you still can't talk about women bleeding. You can't talk about periods being blood. I mean, look at all the, even the, you know, the tampon and, and, and pad ads. They use blue or purple or something very, I I think there's maybe one that's just, I think it may have been in one of the the promotions you did for the the program you're running, Cindy, where they used red for yeah, the first time. Ju- I mean, they're just starting to really, you know, you're starting to see more and and talking about, but it's still caricatures. It's not like real people. It's you know, I, I wonder sometimes if men got their periods, like what would it be like, mm-hmm. and how different would it be, you know. Um, but, you know, we're doing a – for an organization that I run, we're doing a, a, a diaper and period products drive for the month of March. And um, they have a lot of it, a lot in common. Um, but, you know, I did I did a post that I was going to post yesterday, and then, and then I was like, oh, gosh. And I showed it to my husband. Is this too much? And he's like, oh, it's too much. And then I'm like, that makes me so mad that it's too much because, like, my tagline in it was – if this is uncomfortable to look at, imagine what it's like to live it, you know? And it was showing just in in, caric- in caricatures what women have to do if they don't have access to period products. You know, so it gave some examples and it had a red, red spots on them. And mm-hmm. that was too much for the for general consumption, right. you know? Well, I, I, I'm proud to say that there's been a couple of companies that I've worked for that mm-hmm. um, period products were provided for free. Yes, in all parts of the organization's building, yes, it is uh, getting better. And yeah. Colorado now, as of 
uh, last year. They don't have a tax on period products anymore, which I'm really proud mm -hmm. of Colorado for because right. I think there's still more that do than don't. Yeah. You know, because they're not luxury items. They're necessities. Right. You know, and women have their periods. Periods, period, 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 period. What's the big deal? We bleed. You know, people bleed. People, we have blood inside our bodies, you know. I mean, we can make a baby every month, but... I mean, it's just a thing. And if you have toilet paper somewhere, you should have a freaking sanitary napkin and a, and a tampon, too. It's There's no difference. Yeah. And I think that's why these conversations are so incredibly important, mm -hmm. because in order for us to influence honest dialogue like this, it has to start with us. Right. It has right. to start with our, even if it's our small girlfriend women right. friend communities getting together and having these conversations mm -hmm. and to expand that into yeah. our partners, our spouses to make sure. I mean, I was even, you know, hit the other night when we were watching, I don't, I don't even know what we were watching. It doesn't matter at this point, but I remember there was a pad commercial that came on and my youngest had asked about it. And so I, I said, well, we'll, we'll talk about that because I, I wanted to have, make sure that I, one, had my bearings of like, how do I want to present this? And what does all of that mean? And he's starting to ask questions. He's nine. So he's starting to ask more questions around that. But I think, you know, I think about my older son. I mean, they, they need to be educated about these things they exist yep. and it shouldn't be gross because mom's telling you about these things. Cause now you have to hear that mom has dealt with these things right. too, but they're going to have partners potentially down the road and they need to be aware of this. It's a natural bodily function that we yeah. should be able to talk about. Um, and it's, it's also disconcerting for me. You know, you see all these ads out there for men's pro problems, you know, penis problems. It seems like it's okay to talk about those and there should be a million products to solve that and special clinics and all these things. And no taxes. By and way. no taxes, you know, but there's really very little information still or products or solutions or places that women can go to deal with what's basically a you know, 10 potentially plus year hormonal transition that really does affect every part of your body. Right. It's so how do we change it? Is so, well, you're how changing change it, it just by yes. talking about it. Yeah. For one, I, I really do believe that. I think that that does the community good to be able to talk yeah. about things that are not normally talked about. You know, I think Project Our Town doing a, a period product drive is another great way because women can't always afford these kinds of products, especially in an economy like this. It's, it's giving better access and solutions, um, but we got to keep doing it. It's, yeah. it's not an easy conversation for a lot of people to have. I remember my mom was one of the first people we talked to, our moms. And my mom's like, oh, we did not talk about those things. You know, that was just not okay when I, you know, when, mm -hmm. when I was your age. And so she thinks it's fantastic the way we talk about sex and, and, and just everything that goes along with it because it's all normal and it's all natural. And, God, the shame that women get put on them for so many things their whole life. And you think back to when you were really young and you're 12 or 13 and having your period and you were so alone in it always, even with your girlfriend, you didn't really talk to about it. Mm -hmm. And God forbid you didn't have, you know, what you needed. And if only, you know, it, it just was a more normal part of a conversation. And it makes me so happy to hear that you're talking to your boys about it because it's not a female problem. It's just a human. It's right. not even a problem. It's a human condition, mm -hmm. you know, um, and so, I mean, how sweet would it be to know that your your son maybe one day gave a girl his sweatshirt to tie around her waist or something? Mm -hmm. I mean, it makes me kind of want to cry. But, like, you know, that's the way it should be. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it should be. But it is – there is a – that stereotype is uh, 
you're making me think of it. I wasn't there at the time, but um, there was a past pageant. I think it was actually at Mrs. America, which I competed with in years ago, but it wasn't the one I was competing in. And there was a story around one of the contestants who started her period but didn't realize it. And she went through the competition. This is my understanding. I wasn't there, so I didn't. I, but that she went through the competition. People horrified for her. And I'm thinking all it took was even for her, whether she got away or did walk away from it, but even just one person to just be like, okay, time out. we got to stop. Somebody needs to take right. care of themselves, right? Almost building that in, I think, is so important. I mean, which is why I think if we can get more comfortable with this honest dialogue, yep. then it's just – it is normalized that, oh, yeah, that happened. Oh, yep. Yeah, right. I've had something like that if, happen, too. If somebody too. cut their hand and they were on stage bleeding, right. I guarantee you somebody would have done something. Yes. Why should the woman or anyone else be embarrassed mm-hmm. that she happened to start bleeding? Right. I mean – it happens. And believe me, during perimenopause, it happens a lot. There, Actually, that was in the, one of the Sex in the City shows. One of the characters um, start, got her period unexpectedly. Do you remember that? Yes, it was She Samantha. thought she was done. Um, <laughs> and and the other the girlfriends like rushed around or just covered her up and said, you need to take care of yourself. And she's like, oh, goodness, I thought I was done. She didn't understand. You know, it stops and it starts and it stops and it starts. And when you think you're done, you're not necessarily done. So... I yeah. remember the one where Miranda. Oh, she hadn't shaved much when they were right? like, oh, yeah. in Mexico because you know, like she's like, I'm a mom, I have a full time job, and like, you know, down it was public hair, legs, right? It was not know. pubic hair; it was public yeah. hair. Actually, they did talk about quite a bit because I they think did. it was. Mm-hmm. I, I think you're right. When I said Samantha, I don't think it's the episode you were describing when somebody had started it unexpectedly, but she oh, was so cause surprised because she, she thought she'd lost. Right, because yeah. Samantha was starting she to was go the through perimenopause, yeah. going through potatoes that she was trying to bring. Oh yes, for Hormones because they yeah. didn't allow hormones yeah, in so uh, Arab country. These, she was eating them. She was putting them on yeah, her face. She yeah. was putting them everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when it, it, one of the more recent ones, it was Charlotte who was wearing white pants because she thought yes. she was done with the change, and lo and behold, she wasn't. Yeah, and you know, which is another. You asked about some of the surprising things. I think if we can go back to that, I think one of the most surprising things for me was that there's no clearly defined timeline. Mm-hmm. And, you know, really the best we could come up with based on the research that we could find was, you know, when you go 12 months past your last period, then you are considered done. Now, whether that's menopause or postmenopause, there's, you know, the jury's still out. Mm -hmm. We don't think it matters much, but you're not in perimenopause anymore 12 months after your last period. But, you know, you can go 11 months and 29 days and then you get a period unexpectedly and boom, you start over again. Right. Craziness. Well, at least it's, I mean, it's it's giving people some ideas as to what, yeah. giving women some ideas as to what to expect, which. I think just being kind, kinder mm-hmm. to themselves, you right. know, we have these expectations of the way that we're supposed to look. And, um, you know, I think, you know, this just happened just a few weeks ago. You know, I sent her a picture of us, you know, <laughs> um, and I don't remember how long ago it was, but I said, remember how. You know, like, I thought I was so fat back then, you know? And she's like, I know, and look at your fucking jawline. Like, <laughs> like I had none of this. And I'm like, why did I not? Why didn't why we enjoy I it? Why be happy then? Right. Why, did I, why do I spend my life always feeling like I should look better, you know? And then I look back, and I'm like, oh, my God, girl, you weren't fat at all. Yeah. You 
loser, like, quack, quack, quack. Just enjoy that, you know, and just be okay with yourself. You're a good person. I, you know, you've seen that thing, that, you know, be the person who will straighten another woman's crown without her even knowing it was crooked. Like, right. I think about that all the time when you, and when you bring up the, the thing with the, you know, with the Miss America or whatever. It's like, that's the kind of person. And be that for yourself, too. Like, you know. I think it's a great message because I, I thought before we transition into this last part, I wanted to, you have, I love the dedication to your book, but I did pull this one part that said, um, for all the women who will read this book and realize that they're not alone, not imagining things, not going crazy and should not be embarrassed to talk about and laugh about what they're experiencing. I just, I love that both of you are willing to just come in and actually talk about it, but that it's an open invitation to everyone who's listening, including mm-hmm. their partners to just have the conversation because the more we can understand what's going on, the more we can be honest with ourselves and with each other, the more we can comfort each other and support each other throughout this whole thing. So, Mm -hmm. and I think just some desensitization in general, like just talk about it. Even if it's, you know, laugh at yourself, you know, just put it out there with your husband. You're not going to believe what happened today. And I'll be getting a new pair of white pants next week. (laughs) You know what I mean? And just trying to normalize it and make it okay Mm -hmm. to talk about, um, because women don't need to live in, in shame and stigma. Right. And be the person that does it. You know, I think, Mm-hmm. Too many times if we're waiting for something, then be the person that initiates it. Be right. the person that says, I'm mm-hmm. going to start talking openly and honestly like we did today. So mm-hmm. just make sure your server is not standing over your shoulder with hot food. OK, <laughs> exactly. Just, just saying <laughs> where they can where they can hear where they get shocked, you know. Yeah. Right. Well, um, on my podcast, I always ask uh, my guests to share a life lesson. And because Cheryl has recorded with me already I'm going to ask you, Cindy, before we go into this last part, which is where everybody can find your book and and everything. But could you just, for the audience, share a general life lesson that has had impact on you? I think for me, it's if you need something and it's not there, create it. If you see something that you don't like, try to fix it. You know, just action, you know, and, you know, whether I get there and make a difference one in a hundred times or five in a hundred times, I still made a difference, you know? So like when this happened, it's like, there was nothing there that, that we need, what we needed wasn't there. So like I'm grabbing my girlfriend and I'm going to make it, you know? And, um, you know, the same with just making small changes in the world. I just really feel like if you see something and you don't like it, think to yourself, you know, what can I do to change it? Or to make it better, even if it's just for one or one person. Thank you. That's mm-hmm. great. Well, I appreciated the conversation. And before we sort of say our goodbyes for this, I know people are going to still, I know <laughs> it's 10 years, but people are going to still want to read the book. I loved the stories and I love just being able to, to learn more. So where can they find Thank the book, Cheryl? It's available through most major online booksellers like Amazon and also iUniverse.com. And it's called A Strange Period. Right. Insights into the bizarre experiences of perimenopausal women. Well, thanks for going there today, ladies. I appreciate it. I know there's many more stories, and which is why everybody should read the book. But I think um, I just appreciated your candor and your honesty today, too. So thanks for joining me. It was fun. Thank Thank you for having us. It was great. And good luck getting through it. (laughs) We'll leave you our phone numbers. (laughs) Calling you.